0: Welcome to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance, where top-level COOs share the insights, tactics, and strategies that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Tiffany Swinehart is the Director of Operations in Second in Command for best-selling author Hal Elrod. She's been working closely with Hal since 2015. And her job is to ensure that Hal's mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time becomes reality. Hal is actually my co-author of The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs. And he's got around a dozen Miracle Morning books in his series with the best-selling book, The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs Leading the Way. Or sorry, The Miracle Morning. um, And it's actually been published now in 20 countries around the world. In Tiffany's last three years at Hal Elrod International, she transitioned from an unpaid intern to executive assistant and is now his second in command. Her degree in business management from San Diego University is what she attributes a good deal of her success to, but I also just uncovered in interviewing her that it's also from reaching out to people who have gone before her in other roles in other companies and also a huge amount of reading and use of Google because uh, in her role, for around a year as second-in-command, her CEO Hal was in hospital with leukemia. So we've got some really great insights today on the show. Um, and welcome Tiffany Swinehart to the Second-in-Command podcast, the chief behind the chief.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm glad to be here.
0: Tiffany Swinehart. Tell us, how did you end up working with Hal? What was your path to, you to even get there? Maybe give us your path along the way versus um, telling us how you started working with him.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's actually a a fun story. One of my favorites to tell. I was waitressing my last semester of college. That's how I paid for all of my schooling was um, doing hand in hand school and serving tables. And I was on my first week at this new job at this restaurant in our town where I met Hal called Temecula, California. And Um, Being new at the job and but familiar with the service industry, you know, it takes a type of a personality to connect with guests. And I had Hal in my section and he was dining with his wife and it was after his first live event, Best Year Ever and the first year he had ever ran it in 2014 and he mentioned that and mentioned what he was doing within his life and who he was and we kind of just connected and within an hour he was like you're gonna work for me (laughs) well i know a little bit about what you do and to be transparent it doesn't sound like my cup of tea but um i appreciate the offer and hopefully i'll see you in here again kind of just gently let him down. He was like, well, let me send you a copy of my book, The Miracle Morning, because can't knock it till you've read it. And I said, absolutely, I would love that. And I got it in the mail, and I unfortunately didn't read it right away. It actually sat in my car for a little while. And long story short, I was stuck in traffic, pulled over, and had nothing to do because my phone was dead, didn't have a computer. And so I had a book in my car. Sat down, read the entire book, had his number, called him immediately. I read it within a few hours, called him immediately, asked if he needed an assistant still. He was uh, already working with somebody. Her name was Linda, and she uh, had been working with him for a while. So he wasn't in need of somebody, but offered me a conversation. And well, ultimately that conversation led into an internship where I was an unpaid intern for five months. And then that evolved into an hourly position, which now brings me here.
0: Okay, so you you start as an intern, you go to an hourly role, and now you're running the whole operation for them. And you didn't even have any experience, really, per se, coming into that. So was there any educational background? Or was this just your, your normal street smarts and you pick it up as you go?
1: Well, so I have a degree in business management with a minor in marketing from San Diego State University. So when I met Hal, I was actually in my last semester of college, which is why I proposed the internship um, relationship, because I needed one for school anyway, and... It was kind of enticing from his perspective of, look, if you want to work with me, I'll work for you for free. We can get a feel for each other, see if um, this is a good fit for both you and I. You're not losing out on money training me. I'm not being – personally and financially committed to you. I can really see it as a good fit for me since I was already a little uh, closed-minded about it from the start. So it's kind of a win-win just in the exact time period that we met for both of us. He was looking to expand and grow and couldn't do so without some more help. I was in need of an internship with really no clue what his industry could offer me and what I could offer it. So just kind of all linked up. So I did have schooling involved, but I had no actual tangible experience to bring to the table, which uh, the way that it happened and evolved, I didn't necessarily need. And I almost, from Hal's perspective, was the perfect person to hire because I had no experience, so he could mold me into his perfect employee, if that makes sense.
0: It totally does. What, what was it about his book that you liked, or what was it that grabbed you from the book?
1: So ironically, I get asked this question a lot, and I really believe that because of where my maturity and closed-mindedness was about the self-help industry at that point in time when I met him, if I didn't meet him before I read the book, I don't think that the book would have truly had as big of an impact as it did when I did, because reading it after I'd met him, I'd already had a chance to spend 2 hours with him even though it was in I was his server and it wasn't an informal situation I was clearly on the clock I got to see his energy and to really see that he was a genuinely nice person his energy was so friendly and he was so engaged in any of the conversation that we had shared he was super authentic just to sum it up and so when I read the book I could feel that this was truly someone who actually wrote this book to help people because my close-mindedness at that time with my netness with the whole industry was this is just a way for people to play off the weaknesses of people who don't know how to help themselves so they're going to pick up this book and they're going to pay this person $20 for it. And that person's just going to run away with the $20 and say, "Ha <laughs> I really didn't think that there was people out there like Hal. And I'm so glad that he shattered all of those disbeliefs for me. It's
0: funny. I'm, I'm totally the same. I've always been really cynical about that whole industry. And, um, it's almost like his, his moniker, his tagline of your pal, Hal, or yo pal, Hal, he really is that kind of oddgy shucks guy. And it's, um, it was almost disconcerting when I met him because it made me even start to question myself. I'm like, God, this guy's just so nice and so real and so genuine and so sharp. Um, and when when he asked me to co-author the book, The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs with him, that was why I said, yes, it, I wasn't on my my radar to do that. I was really going down my own path and my own trajectory. And I'd already had a book on the go and the second one that was I was working on. And I just did it more to be around him and work with him. And that was the only reason even for saying yes, it's turned out to be an amazing success. But how many books did he have out at the time? Was it just the, uh, The Miracle Morning at the time? Uh, I
1: started with him right when he launched Miracle Morning for salespeople. Okay. So uh, he had real estate and salespeople on the way up and coming, but they weren't fully launched yet. So essentially, yes, the one on the market was only the Miracle Morning. And now you know that we have all of the tons of titles on the market.
0: Right. Well, and the Miracle Morning was a huge success. And I wouldn't even say it's an overnight success. So can you tell us what was it that you saw I want to know more about the social media side of things because it's almost like you created or you guys created a real cult-like following with specifically on your Facebook page, I think. But tell us what you've done to create that that almost cult-like, you know, tribe.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. I think that's one of the most impressive things from being from almost, not necessarily the start, because I joined a few years after the publication of the Miracle Morning. But when I started, there was literally 8,000 people in the Miracle Morning community on Facebook. And now we're at 157,000. So, and that's, I've only been working with them for three years. And the best part of that is, I'm sure there are a majority of, um, people who just lurk and actually aren't engaged, but our statistics that Facebook runs with the analytics show that we have one of the most engaged communities, and that truly, I believe, is attributed to the dedication that Hal does in taking time every single day, morning, afternoon, and night, one hour apiece, three hours on average a day, to actually personally engage with his community. So it's not just this platform that he built and throws everybody in to have a group to mention in a book. It literally is serving a purpose of connecting with each other for accountability for your journey using your Miracle Morning And as well, getting MMers that have like-minded goals and or using the Miracle Morning just like you to answer your questions, but also to see how talking back to you and liking your posts and congratulating you on 30 days straight of a Miracle Morning. And I really attribute that to the success of the growth of the community is because people see that Hal himself is sticking around in it and engaging. And that's really why... I think it's blown up to be as loyal and as large and as consistently engaged um, more than any group I've seen.
0: Yeah, I had no idea that it was actually even still him doing that. I really thought that he had somebody managing yeah. that social group. So we have,
1: I will be transparent um, that we do have, they're called TMM group moderators. We have these uh, three wonderful people that actually reached out to Hal himself and volunteered their own personal time to help moderate the group. And it was more so, uh, we have a woman named Stephanie who is, I really believe in this and I want to help make sure that... You know, self-promotion or things that aren't adding value to the community are moderated so that it doesn't take away from the purpose. We have a woman named Sally and a man named Hank, and all of them volunteer their own personal time, which blows my mind. You have to really, really believe in the purpose of anything to give up your time for wow. no payment whatsoever. Totally. It- it blows my mind. And then we, of course, have me, and we have um, – <laughs> I just hired a new assistant who we're trying to grow a position into a social media manager role who goes in and does the same thing. But if you see an actual post or a comment with physical words, that is how. That is not anyone on his team.
0: That's amazing. So now were, you, were you at the event that, that ran in Chicago, I think it was, two years ago, the Appreciative Inquiry event?
1: Yeah, yeah. The okay. uh, I was.
0: And is that where these volunteers came out of? Did they spawn from that, that couple day uh, event?
1: No, the crazy thing is, is Sally is actually from the UK. So she's never been to one wow. of Hal's events. She was one of the OG members in the community when we were, uh, she's known how longer than I have online. She was just a part of the community when she first read the book, when it was, you know, 5,000 members on Facebook. And Hal jokingly calls her the uh, Miracle Morning Community mom because she's the one that started daily posts. She does these quotes that she kind of creates memes off of and would post them for accountability purposes for everyone to comment like when you woke up and then she would, um, constantly do that every day. And so then she offered as the group grew to be, uh, on the opposite end of the world, helping manage while we were sleeping.
0: It's pretty amazing. That was something that caught me was those posts in the mornings when people were waking up saying, you know, it's my second day doing and this is what I've done, or I'm on my sixth week and here's what I'm still working on. that really kind of blew me away. That engagement. Now you were there when when Hal got sick, and and he's been pretty public about this. But it was about a year and a half ago where he was diagnosed with um, was leukemia, I believe, wasn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. It was leukemia.
0: What's it feel like when you are the second in command of a company and the CEO, who um, I don't even know how to, to describe it, by all intents and purposes, is the brand, and and then he goes down, like almost goes down for the count, and is. You know, pretty sick and in hospital for, or in and out of hospital for the course of about a year. What, how did you handle it? What was going through your mind? Um, just no, absolutely, walk absolutely. us through that, because that's something that we don't get a real rare glimpse of, but I think a lot of people need to think about.
1: That was... uh scary from not only a health purpose, but from my job and what I can contribute. He had all of the emotional support and from his family and his friends. So I saw it as my number one responsibility to not focus on only providing any, you know, a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen to, but to step up in my current role. But I really had no idea what that looked like seeing I wasn't trained for this and we didn't plan for this. Um, a brief uh, overview of where we were at before the cancer came in June of 2016. So five months before the cancer diagnosis is when I moved from San Diego County um, to Austin, Texas, in order to uh, commit to one year. So from June, 2016 to June, 2017, to commit one year to live in Austin, Texas, in order to make my role hundred percent virtual. And then after that I had every intention of moving back to San Diego and While I moved in June, the goal was to make myself the role that I would almost essentially be thrown into just five months later. But the plan was to have 12 months to evolve into that role and not get blindsided and be thrown into it with no choice in five months. So it was a role that was going to be mine but it just was thrown at me without the preparation that we anticipated. But that's just life, and that's how it works in almost anything. So uh, it's not what happens to you, right? It's how you react to it. So I saw my my purpose in his cancer journey to support him in the business and do that role that he inevitably wanted me to do. So what that looked like was – email management to unbooking all of the events that he couldn't make now and to prioritizing everything that he wanted us to accomplish as a team and figuring out how to do it by myself taking over all customer service platforms, taking over all social media, um, becoming the billings and collections person, (laughs) helping his business partner run the live events without him. So being his second hand man, even though I didn't have a relationship with him, I had to make myself available to him in whatever way he needed and and booking and coordinating other things for the future for when he could come back and assisting on any marketing efforts and just – stepping in in ways I wasn't prepared for. So using resources like the internet and uh, the people around me and books essentially is what it looked like.
0: Well, and, and then you guys launched roughly about eight books during that period as well.
1: Well, that really is because of his partnership with Honore. And, and obviously, Definitely. you're familiar because you've published with Hal who Honore is. But for those who don't, he uh, brought on a partner, Honore Cordor, and she facilitates the production of any of the Miracle Morning titles. So she basically is the Wonder Woman behind every Miracle Morning book in the series in the sense of how brings the content and the community and the brand, while Honoré is the brains behind each step-by-step that goes into self-publishing. So we were able to continue on that side of things solely because of Honoré and her assistant Christina's contributions.
0: Awesome. Totally makes sense, too. And I've seen that now from behind the scenes. The um, One of the things I've always seen with with – Earlier stage companies or smaller companies, and and how many employees do you guys have, or employees and freelancers are you managing?
1: So uh, we now have two. I was the sole employee, but we just hired her name is Jasmine to kind of transition into social media manager. So now how has two employees?
0: Okay, so two employees, but then how many freelance people, or how many other people in terms of marketers or temps? We've, or we've
1: got three freelancers that are uh, working closely with us.
0: Okay, and then you have all the people that are doing stuff for free or interning. Yes. So small company, but give us the scope of things. Can you tell us like how many books have been sold? Oh,
1: absolutely. Uh, So the most exciting news, which I want to start with, because uh, you brought it up at the start of the interview, is the international side of things we have in the last 2 years um house titles have been published over 20 in 20 different countries 20 different languages and expected to be over 30 by the end of this year and keep growing and keep growing so that's one of the most exciting things um that's huge. because as an author i couldn't imagine impacting people in your language but then having such an impact that it's being asked to be translated in Chinese and into Spanish and into Portuguese and all of these other parts of the world that want your knowledge because you're making such a great influence. That's one of the most exciting.
0: I I love my, uh, my first book, Double Double was picked up and uh, published in Russia. And the, the cover of the book is completely bizarre. I look at it, I'm like, I don't even know where they came up with the idea for this image because I don't even think it's included in the book. But it's...
1: Oh, no. all of There's... I think the Miracle Morning UK edition is the only title that looks like something Hal would. Right. Like, I could do that. It, <laughs> other than that, all of the titles are so interesting. My favorite version is actually uh, the Chinese version because they relied a lot on... Uh, internal Interpreting what the savers are from the Miracle Morning by using pictures and erasing some of the words. Oh, so, interesting! Yeah, they illustrated a lot in their book, so I actually really like looking through that. Obviously, can't read a, a word of it, but I really like it.
0: Okay, now, I said I kind of admitted to the world when I was co-authoring the Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs that at times my morning savers really are me rolling over and hugging the pillow. Like I just can't pull it off every day, but I said that I don't beat myself up for it. Then I've also got my probably list of about 18 insane habits that I try to do on a daily basis. And recently have committed to as long as I get five done every day, that's good enough for me. So do you follow all of the savers? Are you kind of on that same regimen? And, and, you know, tell us honestly, the world, what time do you really get up in the morning?
1: So I get up every day at 5:45. I do not get up at 3:30 like Hal. Um, I I enjoy my evenings for my own purposes of sitting down and connecting with my boyfriend and watching a movie. So I stay up a little later than Hal typically does. So not up as early as him, but I do during my work days, Monday through Friday, commit to that time because I would feel like a fraud if I didn't. Yeah. Uh, Being the person that preaches to people how wonderful the savers can impact your life, I would feel like a total hypocrite if I didn't. So Monday through Friday, I do practice starting at 545. Um, I I do it completely out of order because that's essentially what the savers are. It's an accomplishment of those things, not in the exact order. And I think a lot of people get hung up on doing the savers in the exact order of the savers. And that is not it at all. It's just the finishing of them. And whether that means, let's say, if journaling is something you do not enjoy and it almost deters you from accomplishing your other savers because you really don't like journaling. Well do three minutes of it and then just commit a little more time to something else you actually do enjoy. And over time that implication of journaling will grow into something that you either stay at three minutes or will evolve. Whatever it is, as long as you're doing it, that that's what the purpose is. So every day, 5.45, get up, I... I begin walking my dog. That is always my exercise in the morning, is always focusing on my dog because he is a high-energy dog. Um, and then from there, I switch it up because I will get bored if I do the same thing every day and I yep. use the same apps every day. I have, I have literally on my iPhone uh, categories for my Miracle Mornings and all of the S-A-V-E-R-S, and they're all different apps for each of these Um, component so that way i don't get bored i switch it up i i journal in different places every day i use different meditation apps every day i do something different with my dog every day whether it's a trail or whether we go um, on a hike far away whatever that looks like
0: nice yeah i've got my uh I actually keep my five-minute journal and my journal beside my bed, and occasionally I'll just actually journal and, and do my gratitudes and affirmations from bed, and then other times I just take them with me and go downstairs and grab a coffee, and I'll do them, but then they always end up back on the stairs getting ready to go back to the bedroom again. So they kind of they either migrate from the bedside table downstairs and back up, or they stick there, and I get to just lie in bed and kind of have my moment of silence and hang out in the mornings if I like to just hang out in bed a little bit and get that part done. And then I use the, uh, the seven-minute workout app as my little exercise one that is a little bit of my cheat. And I also found an app called Commit to Three, which is where I'll set my daily goals and have an accountability partner. And that's been super helpful for me.
1: Yeah, I've never heard of that one. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's cool. Daily One is my favorite journal app, for especially for those people who do not like journaling because you can actually upload a quick photo and then just write, today was a great day or this morning I woke up to a beautiful sunrise or whatever it looks like. And it actually every day reminds you, of course, like every other app to journal. So I really like that one, especially for those people who want to exercise and journal or exercise and do another part of their savers. And then Think Up is one of my um, favorite tools for developing a positive mindset. So, uh, I use it a lot for my um, visualization and my meditation and it's great for affirmations too. It's kind of a all in one type of an app. So those are my personal favorites. We don't have any relationship with either of those. I'm just giving my opinion.
0: I love it. Yeah. I'm the same. And funny, my friend of mine just told me that they get the, uh, the Webster Word of the day emailed to them, and they try oh my to gosh,
1: I love that <laughs> and they,
0: but they try to use that in their scribing in their morning journal. they try to actually use the word of the day a few times. I'm like, "That's brilliant. What a really fun way to just kind of kickstart your morning is to journal, but also to get your mind going. So I thought that was kind of fun. So tell me how do you and um, how did you and Hal work on growing the business when he was in hospital? What tools did you use? How did you keep communication channels open? Um, walk us through what you guys did.
1: So to be transparent, we didn't do too much together. He His main priority was focusing on healing as well as uh, maintaining a semi-normal environment for his kids. So work was the last thing on his mind, and that's the last thing I wanted to do. So if I ever did reach out to him, it was because of a level 10 emergency I can't. Answer this without you type situation, so I will be honest during that time he was in the hospital. I just used Google as my best friend and utilized all the relationships that we had from house community that we had previously worked with or people that we knew from a professional relationship to ask for advice upon. Um, I read a lot while he was in cancer just uh, in his treatments just because reading. I feel is the greatest tool. And if you aren't using that, then that is something that you should start doing is utilizing other people that have learned from their situation to grow. So that way you don't have to go through it. So um, I honestly didn't talk to him much during his treatment. I just did everything that I could to answer it for myself.
0: That's awesome. And then you probably had the most self growth of any leader during that period of time as well, because you forced yourself to figure it out instead of going to him for permission or going to him for ideas. I always call that the learning from other people. I call that R&D is rip off and duplicate.
1: Yep. you know, so many
0: companies have figured this stuff out. Why are we trying to figure it out on our own?
1: One of my favorite uh, podcasts that Hal has ever done was when he interviewed Joe Polish. And I am going to ruin what he said. But he said something along the lines of, when people tell me they haven't picked up a book in years, it blows my mind. Why are you forcing yourself to go through experiences when you could simply pick up a book and learn from other people's mistakes. Doesn't mean you have to implement it, but just learn from a situation that could help you skip all of this adversity and grief. Just go forward and skip it. It's a time machine using a book.
0: It's funny It's funny that you mentioned Joe Polish. Joe is my daily accountability partner.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that. Joe,
0: Joe really and I set our that. daily goals together using the app Commit to Three. So Joe writes up his top three goals for the day and I get them and I write up mine and he gets them. And at the end of the day, us clicking them off, we kind of have that buy-in from the other person and also a bit of the guilt. so it's funny that that you're talking about Joe and, and Hal that's actually <laughs> well, and that's actually where I met Hal. I first met Hal at the Genius Network. We were both Genius Network members and Hal approached
1: yeah,
0: he came up to me at one of the breaks and um, asked me if I wanted to co-author the book, and I just kind of looked at him and went, Yeah done. Like he goes, well, I'll send you the details. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm in like, I'll do this, whatever it That's is.
1: That's the greatest thing about Hal is he's got a contagious energy and personality where you're like anything to be around you because you make me feel like a better person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he was my man crush for a little while, but um,
1: <laughs>
0: we'll let him go back to his wife. So, so tell me about, um, you know, I've always said when you're early stage companies or smaller companies, the COO, the second in command really needs to be the jack of all trades, master of none. Is that true of you or have you got some specific areas that you're finding that you maybe migrate towards as your unique abilities?
1: So I really think that uh, I am truly almost the definition of a jack of all trades in the sense of um, it's one of my biggest strengths, but also a weakness of mine to where I wear so many hats within Hal's company that I'm good at a lot of things. But I haven't been great at one thing because I don't have the capacity to really hone in on one of my roles because I do have so many other things that I have to do. So that's a really exciting thing about being able to bring in a new employee uh, and to train her still in the training phase. So not on her own yet. But once she is, I will be able to focus on the things that I can do that will serve the growth and expansion of the company uh better and things that i enjoy more there's a couple of things like social media management not my forte i don't like it which is why she's going to be a social media manager so by taking that off my plate i hopefully will be able to uh dive more into the marketing aspects of things and being more involved on uh, co-creating each of our live events and etc but yeah i i my role is all across the board. Good at a lot of things, not great at a lot of things.
0: That's, that's, and that sounds like the perfect fit. That's the jack of all trades, master of none. So how do you know what to be working on right now? Are you co-creating the priorities for the company or are you just deciding what to be working on? Um, how much kind of leeway does, does Hal give you in figuring that stuff out and, and how much do you turn to him, I guess, for direction on core projects or, or goals for the year?
1: So I really think that since the uh, cancer uh, and I was on my own from there, I've kind of been my own time manager and my own prioritizer for the last year, year and a half. So the really only thing that Hal does as far as tasks and directions for me is I'd say about two times a week he says hey I need this done by today or hey get this done by Friday and it's you know sending out an email blast uh, to certain people on his list or uh, creating a landing page for people to opt in for something or something along those lines but really it's just me knowing what has to be done day to day knowing those goals prioritizing wisely from important and urgent to uh, least important eliminating those distractions and getting them done um, but so really I just know what to do and every now and then how comes in and says please get this done
0: what what do you think your biggest weaknesses are right now are you struggling with anything specifically
1: uh, I think the, the the biggest thing I am struggling with and have been for a couple of months is managing Hal's uh, Facebook pages and particularly speaking of his two fan pages he has, which is Hal Elrod fan page and the fan page for the Miracle Morning. Those get so many messages a day of people saying, I'm really struggling with journaling. What do I do? Or um, I'm really depressed. How can this help me? And just reaching out to somebody uh, like Hal for direction and for Uh, strengthening their Miracle Morning and getting to those is a very delicate and in-depth process because Hal is very, very particular about answering those because that's how he's created the community he has created is by answering every single one of those that comes in. And so I know how important those are. So prioritizing my time wisely in order to answer those every day has probably been my biggest weakness, which is why I looked at Hal and said I need to bring someone on to focus mainly on that. Because I want to make sure we get it done, but each answer is so unique and is so different from all the rest that there's no template that can be created because every answer has got to be unique to the person asking, so it's hours of a day honestly
0: yeah and you're not kidding when you say that it gets a huge amount of traffic and a huge amount of comments'm I'm, I'm astounded and want you know everybody who's um, when you're listening to when you're're you're done with the podcast, maybe hop over to the page and just take a look at it and it's pretty incredible how much um, engagement there is so what what do you do now when the book goes into these multiple countries and multiple languages are you just going to have you know clearly how can't be answering questions in China and Czechoslovakia so are you going to have moderators over there that do that or are you going to try to build those communities in those markets do you know what you're doing there
1: so the publishers have every right and in their realm to create their own group if they wish However, people have taken it upon themselves to create groups within Facebook for you know, the French edition or the Chinese edition or whatever it may be. And all we ask is that Hal is a moderator of it, but they have free control of it. Because at the end of the day, somebody can take anybody's content and create a support group off of it yeah. without – may or may not be crossing the line. So we don't we don't manage those, but I will say if you go to Hal's sites, com or HalElrod.com, there's a contact button and we get, I'd probably say about 20 messages a day that get sent to my inbox. And they're in other languages. So I have to physically copy and paste, put it in a translator, and it's just a thank you for your book, it changed my life, or <laughs> the messages that say, Um, Can you explain what the visualization means or recommend any books on that? And so I physically have to go find books that are in Chinese that have good ratings and then, uh, you know, preface it with I've never read this and Hal's not associated with these people, but I found this online and this is what visualization means and this is how you can do it. And so we are getting questions sent in from all over the world in all types of languages that I do answer every day.
0: Yeah, it sounds like that's going to be one of the next areas you have to hire for as well, because you've got to start working towards your unique ability too. What's the purpose of the live events that you're running? Uh,
1: So we have uh, two live events that we run. Um, The main one that is open to the general public, that is my personal favorite of everything that we do um, at Hal Elrod International, is called Best Year Ever Live. It is held in San Diego every year uh, in December. And you can get more information on... The best year ever at bestyeareverlive.com, but this event is basically literally creating a blueprint for you to just like the name says, have your best year ever. And we bring in uh, speakers and um, Zumba teachers and musicians and um, influencers from all walks of life in order to give you that quote-unquote blueprint to achieve whatever it is that you're there for. We have people that come there for strengthening their relationship. They bring their kids to enhance their kids' development. They come as an entrepreneur who wants to start a business. They come as a millionaire that just wants to grow themselves even more or their business there's all sorts of people for all sorts of reasons that come to this event I think that's why it's my favorite because no matter what you're there for or no matter who you are or where you're at this event has value and I think that's very rare for a live event to be able to literally cater to anyone it's so impressive it's so much really cool And then the other um, live events that we do are a closed group. It's called uh, Quantum Leap Mastermind. We do two retreats a year, and this is a more intimate coaching group. We have about 50 members um, that come to each of the retreats um, in different places every time. And um, Hal and his partner, John Berghoff, uh, co-create these events in order to um, specifically help this group of individuals achieve whatever it is that they're there for. And it's very masterfully um, strategized based off of um, this intensive application that we make them fill out in order to better serve them. So that's the other live events that we throw.
0: All right. Now I've got to ask the question because I was first actually, before I met Hal at the Genius Network event, um, the mastermind that we both belong to, I was told about him from a friend of mine, John Rulin. And uh, John worked with Cutco, as did Hal. And then John Berghoff, his partner on the events worked with Cutco and I kind of like all three of these guys and every single, I've met two or three other guys that have been involved with Cutco since, um, Brad Weimart, who's from Austin as well. One of my favorite guys on the planet, Cutco. What, what is it with that company and the DNA that they've created or like, does Hal mention them at all to you?
1: Oh, I am very familiar with every single person that you mentioned as they come to almost all the events that Hal puts on. Um, and they're very close with Hal. so I know them um, in a professional standpoint and a little bit personally so I really don't have the answer for you but they're breeding some really rad people out there. So I don't know what it is, but I want them to keep coming our way.
0: Yeah I may I may actually stop talking about them publicly and just start hiring them because I it's it's very <laughs> similar to the group that I came out of College Pro Painters where, you know, we had a really, really strong DNA of people that we were grooming. Kimball Musk, Elon's brother worked for me and then the CEO of Solar City was at College Pro with me as well. And just some amazing dynamic leaders that came out of that background. And it seems that Cutco did a great job. So maybe I'll just stop talking about them and just start hiring them or or partnering with them. Um, One question I want to ask you is uh, the movie, like who the heck has a movie made about them and hal has got a movie being made about him and his life and the, the miracle morning. And it's premiering, I think this summer in Sedona, what's going on with that?
1: yeah we actually did our first live screening it was a test screening for our miracle morning launch team that will um, give us feedback we did it last saturday the 21st uh and it went great it was amazing a bunch of crying of course because of the element of cancer that was put in at the end and um intensifying that part of Hal's journey so super exciting i'm i'm really 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 passionate about the purpose of the film which is to reach the people that won't read because reality check is everyone's not going to read so those who aren't reading might dabble in documentaries so this could be a really exciting part of the market that we can reach with the savers to accomplish that goal of changing millions of lives by getting into that market to where we can get to those people that you know refuse to pick up that book or maybe even motivate them to pick up that book because of the documentary so I'm excited for this
0: Yeah. So here's here's what I'm excited about. I'm trying to still figure out how the heck you do a movie, multiple books, live events, deal with the CEOs in hospital and cancer. And you're doing that with a couple of employees and a few freelancers. That's insane. I think
1: it's because (laughs) I literally, it is all because of who Hal is as a person. And if people listening to this haven't met Hal, they're trying to fathom a person in their head that can create such a presence about themselves that people literally jump to every opportunity to help you. And, and I hope one day everyone listening can meet him because then it'll click instantly within 20 seconds of meeting him. He's just one of those people that everyone wants to serve him because he serves them. And it's, it's just something about him that everybody wants to take and help him execute that mission that he has and so you do it by creating people that are there on that same journey with you and can help you take that to reality
0: yeah he seems to me like the new more modern day version a much more grounded version of um Tony Robbins like he he's not the the high cheese big energy but he does have the energy but he's more grounded and real and approachable and and normal and um I don't know, there's something about what he's doing that you're right, everyone does just want to help him out. And, and he is that kind of odd G shucks guy that um, I think everyone does have to go to one of his events for sure. What's give us give us kind of one parting word of wisdom that that you would give us and for somebody coming in, in an intern role, and moving into the COO role or, or just, you know, anything about the leadership that you've picked up? What's one big lesson that you would want to impart um, to anyone listening?
1: Um, From my personal experience, my hardest thing to come to terms with when I was rising up in the role that I am now was creating the space for weaknesses and for failures. I'm my own toughest critic. So when I'm not excelling on a project or using a system as well as I should be, I typically tend to beat myself up in an unproductive way that's not useful for my uh, work or my growth, both professionally and personally. So after I was able to identify that that was something that was an issue with me and accepting that, Um, that this was something that I needed to work on, I've actively been able to take a step back to pull from the people and the resources that I mentioned earlier about all around me to help succeed rather than putting all that pressure on my own knowledge or my own self. So getting over myself in the sense of realizing that no one on this planet is great at everything, so it's okay to ask for help, is really how you grow. I think that's the the biggest lesson I've learned from the years um, of working for how
0: can you, can you give us a specific example of that?
1: Uh, I'm just a, I have a very uh, what they call in the business world, perfect personality to where if somebody gives me a task, I'm going to execute it and I am going to try to do it flawlessly and provide you my best work. And for example, when I was learning, we use a, a CRM system called infusion soft that some people may be aware of, but I, During uh, his cancer phase, we lost our Billings and Collections woman, and that had to have me step into that role, and I am by no means an accounting major. I'm not familiar with this system. I didn't know anything about it, so having to learn that entire system while already at 150% capacity was a time where I had to step back, realize I needed help, hire somebody to train me on it step back, breathe, and realize that I might not be the best at this, but I will get better, but just to relax because it's not an overnight thing. That's the the first thing to come to mind.
0: Yeah, that, that's a huge one. And by the way, for anybody listening who's using Infusionsoft or Confusionsoft, as a lot of <laughs> I people call it, it. Um, there's, there's a great company out there called Sixth Division. Brad Martineau is the CEO, and he's also in the Genius Network with Hal and I. That He runs Sixth Division, and the only people I've ever met who love Infusionsoft, there's a lot who really like it, but the ones who really love it are the ones that had Sixth Division set up all of their um, their systems within Infusionsoft. So, so Tiffany, sweetheart, swineheart, thank you for... Um, Thank you for chatting with us today and giving us some of the insights that you've had and for sharing the lessons um, in the path of you being the chief behind the chief and being the second in command for the Hell Elrod. Say hi to him for us and we'll see you at one of the upcoming events.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to Second in Command with Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. To learn more best practices from industry-leading COOs, please visit COOalliance.com.